0: the show that lifts the voice
1: of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sex, Love and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and my guest today is Stacy Cedro. We are going to be discussing sobriety and erotic freedom. This is uh, going to be a really great conversation. I'm very excited for it. We're entering into territory we haven't really entered into on this show so far, and I'm excited for it. Um, so you should be too. Let me tell you a little bit about Stacy before we dive in. Stacey Cedro, founder of Holistic Progressions, has been coaching individuals and couples throughout the United States for over 10 years. Her passion is helping people experience erotic freedom, full self-acceptance and expression with grace and ease. She most enjoys seeing the transformations in people's sex lives extrapolate into all areas of their lives, creating more pleasure, fulfillment, passion, and peace. Stacy is a master at helping her clients create a sexually satisfying life. She combines sexology education, somatic coaching, ancient tantric arts, and shamanism in her coaching to create a unique transformational experience for her clients. Her personal story of recovery and understanding how to live sober and navigate intimacy and connection have given her a unique approach to transforming her clients' lives. Stacey is acknowledged as a sex coach by the World Association of Sex Coaches. She's also certified by Jaya, who we've also had on the show, as an erotic blueprint coach, helping people to learn the language of arousal and pleasure. So welcome to the show, Stacey. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much. So, no one is exempt from our our first question. I love asking this question and I would I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. Um
2: what are your superpowers? Well, I guess I'll put it in my words first and then I'll tell you what the um the quiz results on your app said. <laughs> oh fun. <laughs> yes, um okay. So, I seem to have The ability to take subjects and um, concepts that seem kind of untangible and fluffy and out there and make them practical and applicable into people's lives, Um, kind of cutting through stories, lies, and illusions that cloud our our vision of what the ultimate truth is and help people um, step into their purpose and erotic freedom. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. 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 It's like cut like a knife. Yes. Um, Kali Ma with her, her, yes. her sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Kali, you know, on the other side of that um, is love and compassion. Yeah. So coming from a place of love and compassion and meeting people where they're at, Um, To help them get to where they want to be, whatever that looks like for them. So, a lot of what I do, um, one of my prayers is always help me put my human personality and judgments aside so I can authentically be of service.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So. Ooh, and so, what Thank did the you. quiz say? I'm so curious. You're so, the first person okay. to come
0: on in with a quiz
2: answer. I love yes,
0: it. Yes, that's absolutely. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to dive
2: in. It said energetic manipulation. Ooh, I have that one too. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of cool. It was talking about basically just that. Like, um, reading the energy of the situation and kind of meeting people where they're at and um, going with that form in order to take us somewhere new and exciting, go on a journey.
1: There is a lot to that superpower, let me tell you, that energetic manipulation piece that you can go really, really deep in there. And actually, for anyone who's listening, who wants to go deeper into superpower design and those things, Stacey did mention taking the quiz, um, and I know Tonya has an episode on her Superpower Up show or Disrupt Reality series, um, all about the superpower design. And you can you can explore that on our site if you're curious to know more about that. But yeah, energetic manipulation. Those of us who are who are um, wired for that, um, we have some really important work to do here. So that's a that's a fun one to play with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are talking about sobriety and erotic freedom today, and I'm super stoked to dive into this, Um, but we are going to go to a quick break so that we don't have to get interrupted um, when we do that. Before we go to break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work?
2: Yes, my website is holisticprogressions.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at sexcoach underscore Stacy, and that's Stacy with an I-E. And I also have some videos on YouTube, and that one is Holistic Progressions as well. Fabulous. Thank you so much. So um, yes, we are talking with
1: Stacey Isidro about sobriety and erotic freedom, and I'm excited for this conversation. So please stay tuned. We will be right back.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth, because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship and radical parenting matter. Okay,
1: we are back, and let's let's dig into this topic of you know sobriety and intimacy and sort of the interplay there. I think there's so much to dive into here, and um, sorry, I kind of almost don't even know where to start. Um, and maybe starting with your own journey would be would be a good place, a place of
2: relativity. people have something to relate to there. Sure, absolutely. Um, So I think the word sobriety or sober, first of all, has a bad rap to it. (laughs) Most people think um, sober is boring and it is not sexy and it's lame. (laughs) Yes, really serious business here. Um, So (laughs) when exploring that definition, I just, you know, I didn't even really feel that connected to it. But what I did feel connected to around that word is um, oftentimes you'll hear people say, you know, I woke up to the sober truth or I became sober to the reality. And so to me, sobriety is more about stepping into truth and the reality of what is so that we can be conscious and present. So, I just wanted to start by kind of reframing that definition. Um, For me, growing up, um, using substances to party or have fun and be social was kind of the norm. I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. And in our culture and society, alcohol is usually used to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Um, It's used... um, in funerals when we're sad, you know, um, it's used to and social connections. So substances tend to kind of invade every aspect of our lives. And I am not anti substances. However, I am for conscious use of substance. So what that means to me is that, um, personally, like it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. And what made that delineation for you? Um, you know, for me, it became that, you know, my whole life was centered around using substances in some way, shape or form to either seek something or to avoid something. And what My tipping point really was, as I call, like a spiritual death. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, I think when people think about like, you know, substances or drinking, that um, you know, you only have a problem if you're on the street and you get, you know, lose your home and lose your job and lose your kids and it's or you're like like hitting your Spouse or whatever. Yeah. You know, they have this really old school um, view of what substance abuse and addiction looks like. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that most people that do um, overuse substances are functional. You know, they have jobs, they have kids, they're getting them from one place to another. Um, A lot of times they're using to cope with stress. They are using to have enough energy to get through the day. Well, and so, this is a big
0: one right
1: now under COVID. I mean, the alcohol sales went up like three hundred percent or something crazy. I just pulled that out yes. of my out of my ass. I don't know if that's actually the number. No, but I know it went yeah. up exponentially.
2: Use substance substance use is up and overdoses are up. Yeah. So. um And if you think about, you know, why people use substances is the first place. And the first place, again, I said, it's either seeking something. So seeking to feel good, or you're seeking to try to connect with um, people or like loosen up or, um, you know, shut shut off your mind. Yeah. Oh, I just need to, to loosen up and relax a little bit. Um, Or they're avoiding something. So it's a stress and it's maybe avoiding feelings that they're having, or they don't want to face the reality of the situation that they're in. Um, You know, per your example, I'm at home with maybe a spouse or partner that I'm not truly in alignment with, or that maybe we have some things to talk about that, you know, neither one of us know how to. Um, or have the words for. Um, So there's also, you know, trauma that could be um, causing someone to reach out towards substances, substances to shut that down as well. So there's just a variety of reasons that people move towards substances. And ultimately is what ends up happening is those substances cause a disconnection rather than a connection. Now so, I want to like cutting off your nose to spite your face. <laughs> right. And, and I, when,
1: when is it appropriate? I'm mean, not that like, it's our job to sit here on this conversation right now and like dictate for people when its is and isn't, isn't appropriate to use substances. And like when you are and aren't abusing them, I think that's really a very subjective thing that people can only really answer for themselves. Um, and you have to be willing to get really honest with yourself to answer that. But I, I think it's such a it can be such a fine line between like what is okay and and when it stops being okay right I yeah,
2: know absolutely. I know for myself
1: for myself it was like I can't have fun without it that mm-hmm. for me when I realized that like I was not able it was not a good time it was not a party if I wasn't getting high or getting drunk um, I was like this that, that's when I realized that it was really, it was an issue.
2: Yeah. And that is the tipping point for most people. Um, so, you know, going back to what you just said, no one can make that decision except for you and you don't have to have some major crisis in order to shift your behavior patterns or rewire yourself for pleasure. So for me, I kind of felt like it was a spiritual death. It was like this disconnection from um, creation and source and to a disconnection from who I really am inside. So it was who I was showing up as in day-to-day life was not the same person that I knew that I was inside. And the more I continue to use substances to get out of myself, The more disconnected I felt, the more shame and guilt I felt, um, the more unhappiness, sadness, and then um, kind of getting down into a place of thinking, you know, can I get any better? Is there something else better? Is there another way to have fun? Can I really allow myself to feel my feelings
1: uh, well, and it's so. it's interesting because you know what I'm what was coming up for me right now as we're having this conversation. What I'm realizing and just remembering from my own journey is that for me, when I started out, for me it was it was marijuana usage, right, and and alcohol, um, but primarily primarily it was ganja. And and um, when I started, it actually provided a, a, a level of spiritual opening and connectedness that I hadn't had. It like awakened me to a certain part of myself. And I think that can be true for alcohol sometimes too. Like, you know, it will release our inhibitions enough or like, you know, allow us to shift into a space where we do, we can feel more connected to who we really are. And yet then it becomes a trap because we make this connection where we think we then need the substance to get there. And that's when it starts to spiral downwards. That's what I've seen in my own life and what I've, what
2: I've seen for other people anyhow. Would, yeah. is it, would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I can I can definitely identify with the, you know, oh, you know, this is like I'm um, feeling enlightened and I'm, you know, I'm releasing my inhibitions. So my invitation is always, um, how can we step into that person without having to use a substance in order to get there? Yeah, because, so let's talk about that. Yeah, plant medicines, um, absolutely. Absolutely have their um, place and um, they can absolutely kind of unlock something in us. But once we see that that is there, then there's an integration piece that needs to happen on now that I see who I really am, or I see, you know, my connection with spirit and unity and um, others, how can I integrate that into my life on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, well and I think even you know, my brother was a heroin addict, right? And he died of an overdose over ten years ago now. But I remember talking to him, and I think even heroin was that for him. It like it brought him to this state of transcendence, of ecstasy, of, of union. Um, and it was he is he said it he actually said it was like the most amazing orgasm you've ever had in your life, like multiplied by a thousand and then make it last for several hours long. Like that was his Um, experience of the level of transcendence that he that he was experiencing through heroin usage right Mm -hmm. so let's talk about how you get there without substances
2: all right well let's dive in Uh, (laughs) one of the first things that i like to um identify and call out is um just what I was talking about, what are you seeking, and what are you avoiding? So am I seeking connection with others and um, I'm afraid to be my authentic self because of judgment or fear of abandonment? Uh, do I think that i'm I'm not lovable or good enough the way that I am? So starting to identify Um, why we're doing what we're doing in the first place. Um, Maybe if we're avoiding, it's avoiding feelings of um, judgment of ourselves. This could come in form of messages that we are either consciously or unconsciously um, given as we go throughout our life. So whether it's religion or family or culture, society, and it could even come from your own experience, So maybe you had a time when you were rejected by um, someone that you really liked and then there was something in you that made made you not want to get hurt again. You know, nobody wants to be hurt. Everyone wants to be loved and accepted for who they are. But then having that experience of rejection now creates fear around approaching somebody else or there's fear around opening up because we don't want to be rejected again. So starting to identify, you know, what are we seeking and what are we avoiding? And a lot of times it boils down to feelings.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's (laughs) the ultimate, if we talk about what we're seeking, I mean, I think that most of us are seeking, like when I was talking about my brother's experience, we're seeking a level of, of remembering who we really are in the, in the core essence um, in in the in the most sacred es- essential nature of who we are right there's yeah. i think i think all of all of the the things that we tend to do get ourselves in trouble with are are um, a misguided approach to trying to
2: get back to that understanding right yes and so intersexuality <laughs> right. Yes. So for me, um, you know, what I have come to understand and experience like personally and professionally through working with other people um is that sexuality is the creative life force energy that flows through you and mm-hmm. it makes you alive. Yes. Like this is a very Taoist perspective. Um And I do have a lot of experience in like Taoist sacred sexuality practices. So this orgasmic energy that makes us alive, um, we do experience in other ways throughout our life. It's just not as intense and it's not as, um, it's not as intense or connected. So for example, super intense, um, sexual experience where you feel like one with your partner, one with the universe, a very transcendent um, mind conscious altering orgasmic experience to where you, you know, feel connected in this unity and this ecstatic pleasure. Like it's literally like an altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. through orgasm and sex. So, sex is how you procreate right? So that literally is the power of creation. Yes. Um, That is not the only thing that it's for. So when we limit sexuality, um, then, you know, we're limiting ourselves and we're limiting our experience. Um, You know, if you take that concept and think of like when you're really enjoying a hobby or whether you like to play a sport or, you know, I'm an exercise person, I love to lift weights Um, and I'm I'm a belly dancer, so I love to dance and perform. It's like you lose track of time and space Mm -hmm. and you feel this like, connection to something bigger than you. It's like your mind goes away and you're just in this moment. I mean, I think that can even happen when you're spending time with your children or people that you really love. You're just immersed in that experience. So to me, that is also a form of that creative life force energy. Um, So, you know, an addiction and where trouble, you know, comes in with substances... It, it ends up in isolation and a feeling of separateness. And so right. I like the, the opposite of that is connection, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeking to connect with ourselves, with others and with something greater than us. Yes. And connecting with something greater than us gives us a sense of hope and a sense of faith that it's going to be okay. We can get through this, whatever it is. Um, nothing is permanent. So sexuality is literally the fastest and most direct and potent way to tap into spiritual growth, personal growth, development, and that flows out into all areas of your life. It's so powerful. I agree. Um, So,
1: so let's talk for a minute when someone, I, you know, I'm noticing on your website, one of, one of the questions you have is like, do you feel like you have to get drunk to have sex? Or I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it was something along those lines. Um, when someone is so enculturated where they have to be using a substance in order to have, um, a sexually free moment, Where do you start
2: with them to sort of start to unravel that pattern? So one thing that's important to acknowledge is that, you know, humans are creatures of habit. So just because we have gone into the habit of something doesn't mean that we can't change it. So one is creating a vision of hope um, for something better. A lot of people tend to stay so stuck in their problem that all they can talk about is what they don't want. So I like to dive into that by starting to create a vision of hope, taking what you don't want and putting it into I do want statements and also taking personal responsibility for where you're at. So we can rewire our brains and our bodies to step into pleasure without the use of substances. And it's a journey, you know, it is um, a process and you have to start somewhere. So, I like to start to get people to have a vision of what do they actually want? What do they want their sexual experiences to look like? And putting it in the I statement means, um, well, you know, I want my partner to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. So, you want your partner to do something. One, you technically don't have control over that. So, we can't really do anything about that. But what we can do. As you can say, I want to experience X, Y, and Z, whether it's I want to experience being ravaged or I want to experience being in control and feeling the power of my sexuality and just dominating someone. So you can take personal responsibility for what you actually want and start from there rather than blaming the other person of oh well they're not you know they're not taking control or i want them to do this and they're not doing it so how can we take our power back and take our personal responsibility back for our own pleasure and enjoyment mhm
1: mhm and so where would so where would you where would you start with that like how how does someone begin to go about taking responsibility for their own pleasure?
2: So one, like I had just said, is you can, you can start with what you don't want. That's, it's good to know what you don't want. But then let's turn those into I do want statements. And let's focus on what do I have control over? So a lot of times um, people don't really even know what they want. So it's about going on that journey to figure it out. Um, and that's one reason why I really love the erotic blueprints is because it gives you a language to speak your needs and desires in a way that someone can receive them um, in a non judgmental way, um, that everything is just information. So once you figure out what you do want, then you have to learn how to communicate that with a partner. And
1: what about and then- for someone who isn't in a partnership? Like, I think. Um, I know for myself anyways, when, when I was dealing with, you know, overuse of substances, that was when I was, I wasn't actually in a partnership yet. I was having sex with lots of random people. Um, and I, you know, I would go to the bar, I would get drunk and I would bring someone home. And that was kind of like my pattern for a while. Right. And so, so for myself anyway, and I, and I think probably there's a number of people for whom, um. Sobriety looks like changing that pattern, and maybe partnership isn't involved. How how do you work with someone in that in that capacity?
2: It's actually a really amazing place to start. Yeah, I would (laughs) agree. Again, it goes back to you, Mm -hmm. right? And so, there's something that I do with my clients called um, sexual values. And I know it doesn't sound sexy, but (laughs) it is really sexy. Um, And what that means is it's defining, you know, first of all, what does sex mean to me? Is sex oral? Is sex kissing? Is it energetic sex? Is it only penetration? Um, So really defining what is your definition of sex? And then what is sex for? Is sex for you to relax? Is sex to connect with others and create deeper intimacy? And is it a spiritual thing for you? Um, Is there an element of, of kink and taboo that's involved that gets you into sexual pleasure? So I take people through a process of starting to define what their sexual values are. When is sex okay? You know, who is sex okay with? And then once we start seeing, okay, well these are my sexual values. What is actually happening in my life? And then, like you said, okay, well, the drunk hookups and random sex is not really in alignment with what I ultimately want and who I am as a person. So now I have the opportunity to start shifting behavior patterns around those things and come into more alignment with myself.
1: What's well, interesting um, when I, you know I'm I'm hearing this like the sexual values but also within that is like what is the value of my sexuality? Like how do I cuz for me that was a huge part of my journey, right? It was like reclaiming the value of my sexuality and realizing that I was giving that shit away for free. When it's like, whoa, 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 this is like extremely sacred, extremely powerful and extremely valuable and not to just be given to anyone like I get to be really discerning with this and I get to, you know, I get to call the shots here um, so I think there's there's kind of, a, it's an interesting wording that you're using because I think there's values when, in, in, when we think about like, you know, what are our values and morality, but there's also like, what is the value of your sexuality? How much are you valuing that creative life force energy?
2: Yeah, I love that you just pointed that out. That's a really great point. And I think that as you go through and you start to, Assess your own self, then you start having more self-esteem and you do start valuing yourself more. And when you start becoming into more alignment with your values, you have more self-esteem and more empowerment. And one of the you know key things that I, I teach people is that you are responsible for your own pleasure and that is yours. And it, it is sacred and it is valuable, and you get to choose how you want to interact sexually, um, you know. And like I said, is it is it energetic? Is it a very spiritual thing for you? Um, someone may not see sex as such that big of a deal. They may have less. Um, You know, place less, um, I guess, value you could say on um, sex because maybe it's for relaxation. Maybe it is not a deep spiritual connection for them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really like to, you know, peel back those layers and see what does that mean to you? And I think that, um, you know, what something means to me, it may not be the same for you. And everybody is different. And so it's really getting to know your own sexual self. Well, and
1: and there's also something, you know, it said in your bio, which I I resonate with completely, um, is is this, you know, we, we associate pleasure, especially the word pleasure with sexuality. And yet when we can really come to own our pleasure and be, Um, be in charge of our pleasure we start to realize that like every moment in life provides the opportunity for a pleasurable experience or to to be in the experience of pleasure in the it's the state of experiencing pleasure right and it's not just about genital stimulation this no it's a full-bodied, full-soul experience.
2: Yes, and that's another reason why I love the blueprints because it separates those things out into um, different, um, different types, right? Um, the sexual blueprint is very focused on genitals and orgasms and having them and nudity and penetration to where if someone is more energetic blueprint and they're very spiritual, um, you know, they're catching vibes from people and they're, they need to relax first. Like it's a very, um, different. It can be a really different experience. And so redefining pleasure and redefining fun is really important. Um, especially if you're trying not to use substances or you're wanting to move mm-hmm. away from using substances. Mm-hmm. So it's what is fun to me now? What is pleasurable to me now? And why am I seeking sex? Like some people seek sex and what they really want is a deep, intimate connection. Right. So there's all these different types of intimacy. It could be experiential where you're you know, working together with someone and you're in sync. Or it could be um, an emotional intimacy where you're really sharing emotions and connecting. It could be a spiritual intimacy or intellectual intimacy. So, or even just an ex- intimacy with life, like I, you know, it doesn't yeah.
1: even have to be with another person. Like intimacy with the wind, with yourself, with, with the <laughs> under your feet. You know, I mean, yeah,
2: yeah. And so, and these are all topics that we explore um, in my coaching because. You know, it's it all goes into sexuality. So maybe you're reaching towards sex because you want more connection, and you want something to feel something greater than you. But that's not what you're getting from it. So we find other ways to step into pleasure. maybe are not sexual. How can you feed yourself? And when you're single, you get the opportunity to really feed yourself. Mm -hmm. And self-pleasure is the foundation for partner sex. So that includes masturbation. That includes um, what do you do recreationally? And I want to throw in here, recreation is also used to get outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. When the what it really means is to recreate, right. We are recreating ourselves. We are, it's a recreation. So the idea I think originally is to come deeper into self, deeper into pleasure. It's not to avoid and get out of ourselves, you know? So what brings you joy and pleasure? And I think when people are getting sober, like for me, I had no clue. Mm. I did not know. Yes. And because you're so used to substance
1: being what gives you pleasure. And so it's like, well, then you take that away, then life is not
2: fun anymore. Right. And so, what is there? And so, we get the opportunity to one, either rediscover ourselves. Maybe you had hobbies before or maybe you've been drinking or using so long from such a young age that you never got to discover who you really are. Yeah. So it's this whole exploration process of trying new things and, you know, saying, okay, I liked this and I wasn't so much into that. But if we don't get out there and try, then we never get the opportunity to find out. So it's, that's why I so much say, this is a journey. And it sounds like way easier than it really is because it takes a lot to like put yourself out there and like go to a meetup group or join an online community or pick up the phone and call someone. You know? Yeah, especially if you
1: have been using substances for a really long time and you've maybe done some not so great things while you are under the influence of those substances <laughs> it can there can yeah. be yeah there can be a lot of shame there can be a lot of self self-deprecation a lot of self-judgment in there um and and entering into the world in a new way can be scary and also some you know i think for a lot of people with substances like are there's a relationship piece right like I for myself oh, yeah. I had to completely leave my community in order to 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 stop what I was doing. And and then it was so fascinating to then reenter um and and encounter people who had known me when it was like I was always the girl with the weed. Like no matter where we went, like I it was always on me, I always had it. You could always trust that that it, Tati was the one who was going to get you high like that was that that was like a no-brainer hands down and I remember yeah. the first time going to my friend's house and being offered like a bong hit and refusing it and kind of this jaw-dropping experience of like what do you mean you're saying no like and 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 you have to I had to be really solid in myself and like who I was without it before I was able to re-engage in those environments and right now I mean you think about under COVID like if If that's your family, like that could be a lot more challenging. So I just, I want to give space for that too, for anyone who might be listening to this.
2: Absolutely. Who's, Who's
1: wanting to get clean and yet we're like in quarantine with our families where all our triggers are and it's like, that's what we're used to doing to to deal with our triggers as we go to substances and we're in our homes where where all the the neural pathways are already laid and um and so I just I actually want to want to give a tip that's coming through right now for for anyone who's listening to this and you are under quarantine and you're like I don't even know where to start change your furniture around if you're stuck in your home and you're, you're not really going out and you're, you're using substances and you want to stop, you want to find a different way, change your furniture around because that's going to um, shift your neural, your neural pathways. You're going to have to find different pathways actually physically through your house um, and that, that can help to start establishing a different rhythm for yourself. Um so I just wanted to to put that out there for anyone who's you know kind of stuck in your heart. Yeah,
2: that's um, it's a great thing and going back to it's so you're basically rewiring your brain yeah. to step into pleasure and to live life without the use of a substance. And what else I want to acknowledge is what you just said about the relationship with the substance. Mm-hmm. Um for me, I felt like there was a grieving process. Because this was something that was with me for so long that I could always go to. It never let me down. It was always there. It was like my best friend. And so now I'm changing people, places, things, and I'm letting go of that substance. Like There's a grieving process that happens. Even if that substance or behavior is causing you pain, it's the pain that you know. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we're much more willing to deal with the pain that we know rather than stepping into the fear of the unknown. And so I just want to acknowledge that, yeah, you can absolutely grieve the loss of that person that you used to be. Mm -hmm. You can grieve the loss of that substance. You can grieve the the loss of that person. That lifestyle. But ultimately, the question is, what are you willing to to give up in order to get what you really want? And that's why that vision of hope is so important. Yeah, Because you either need to be in enough pain to change when the pain is great enough, or you have a vision of hope that is greater than the pain that you're in that's going to pull you forward and move through that. Sometimes you need a combination of the both you
1: know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you for, for speaking
1: to that. Cause I think, you know, we don't always give enough, enough space for grief and, um, it is important to, to honor and acknowledge. And, and, and like you said at the beginning, you know, oftentimes we're using substances cause we don't want to feel our feelings. Right. And, uh, right. and that's going to be a part of this process is you're going to start feeling some feelings. And, and at first not even at first. I still have moments where I've been doing this work my pretty much my entire uh, like most of my adult life, right? And I still have moments where an uncomfortable feeling is coming up, and I'm like, oh, there's a, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable, and like I don't want to feel this feeling, but here it comes, and like I'm practiced enough now that I can I can I know how to let it through and let it flow through me and wash over me and and move it, right? And yet I still, I still hit that moment of like, this is really uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I still hit that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think it's just part of being a human being. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's different practices that I share with people like, um, you could call them, you know, emotional release techniques or emotional processing techniques, um, that incorporate movement and sound. Um. Some people like to journal. That's a big thing. Sometimes it could be um, physical activity. So finding ways that we can move the energy through our yes. body, because that's all that emotions are—is just yes. energy and motion through our bodies. Exactly. And um, there's also I do my a lot of my personal practice is meditation. And so there's something to be said for starting to retrain your brain to get into a place of um, calm and no thing and everything all at the same time. So there's a lot of different tools that can be shared around um, dealing with emotions and then learning how to speak to your emotions and, um, you know it's sometimes for me it's like oh man i feel like i'm going to puke like my like my yeah. stomach just dropped mm-hmm. okay great that's the body sensation that went with that emotion so what is that oh i'm i'm experiencing fear mm-hmm. you know okay great what are you afraid of i'm afraid that i'm not going to be like the favorite anymore i'm you know my partner's going to leave me or you know i'm scared that you know i'm going to be abandoned you know, so being able to take that, the body sensation and put a word to it and call it out for what it is, you know, lets us to, to get down to the bottom of what's really going on. So now, okay, great. It's a fear of abandonment. How rational or real is this? Is this a lie, illusion, and a story, you know, that isn't really the truth? Because our mind doesn't know the difference. Right. It's really insane. Like you go on one of those rides at a theme park that's like immersive in 3d (laughs) and you feel like you're flying. You Mm -hmm. feel like you're, you're going to drop, like your mind doesn't know the difference between the story you're telling yourself in your head and what reality actually is. That's
1: right. So you might as well tell yourself a good story.
2: That's right. If you're going to yeah, or at least, story, make it a good one. <laughs> yeah. Or at least be able to call out, oh man, I'm having this fear of abandonment. And ultimately it has nothing to do with what my partner is doing or saying. It has to do with me. Yeah. And what part of me doesn't feel like, you know, I'm good enough or what part of me doesn't trust my partner. Or was there a past experience that I need to release some emotion around to let it go? Mm-hmm. So that that I'm no longer acting from a place of fear, I can actually come from a place of love and compassion and and presence and be presence.
1: Yeah.
2: I have a. I'm curious, um, what your take on twelve step programs is? Sure. So I am an advocate for any form of recovery that. Um, that calls to someone. Um, 12-step programs are amazing and they're abstinence-based and they have a heavy focus on, you know, clean time or sobriety time. And there are also other programs that focus more on like cognitive behavioral therapy and don't glorify the clean time and focus mostly on quality of life. Um, There's harm reduction. Um, programs and sometimes that's where people need to start. Is okay. Well, um, maybe I'm I'm just going to stop drinking and driving for now. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's going to that. Maybe that would be a great step for someone you know, or maybe I'm, I'm not going to be doing this on, on my work days or during the week. So whatever way that brings people to recovery, I am an advocate for. And I think that the 12 steps are a wonderful process that can be applied to any area of your life. And sometimes I meet people that don't, you know, have issues with addiction or substances, whatever. And they need a 12 step program. (laughs) I'm like, Dan, you need a program. Um, the other thing that is great about those communities is that there's such a variety of people there. Um, it's ultimately a numbers game. You're eventually going to meet someone that you connect with and someone that, um, you can build a relationship with and they're great because they all have something in common, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like NA, okay, drugs, alcohol is a drug too. This was our common problem. This is why we identify as addicts in a meeting to show how we are similar and not how we are different. And AA, same thing with the alcoholics, you know, so it gives you a baseline of similarity. So you can start to build relationships with people and let someone love you until you can start to love yourself, you know? And again, that's creating connection. It's creating community. It's giving you something to do rather than being at home using or drinking. Um, even through COVID there, you know, the online recovery communities and those 12 step programs has just exploded. Um, even their um, subcommittees, some of them have gone online. So still bring meetings to people where they can't get out to a regular meeting or um, still be of service in some way, even though it's online. So yeah, I think that if that calls to you, then I would say go for it. And eventually you're going to to meet people and build relationships. And I think it's like anything, there's so many people in the world that you met through your life. How many people are your best friends for real? Right. You know, I can probably count them on my hands. So it's a numbers game. You just got to keep going until you, you start to meet people. And I think, I think that's what, what I'm really hearing come out of what
1: you're saying is the importance of building relationships that are not based in substance usage because I think I know I think for some people 12 steps programs are amazing and I've also seen for some people it almost sets up this like well I can't even succeed at that like I suck so badly thing right and 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 so I also want to want to speak to the other side of the coin that, that they're not for everyone. Um, and they, they they're phenomenal for some people. And like, if you've tried it and it hasn't worked for you, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. There just might not be the right fit for you. And there's something else that might be better. Yes.
2: There are so many recovery options now that I couldn't even list them all. Um, they even have recovery Dharma and that's a Buddhist based mindfulness recovery program. And so, um, you know, again, it's for me, this is more about quality of life and your, you know, my spiritual connection, my relationships, um, how I'm being in my daily life. Yes. So, yes, I still want to celebrate my clean time and my time in recovery, but there's a difference between actually recovering, being in recovery, and just like not drinking or not using. So, you can still be clean and crazy you know like they call it a dry drunk so it's mm-hmm. like okay just because you're not using something doesn't mean that you're actually getting better a lot of your life will start to get better because of the you know the the issues that you know those substances can cause but ultimately for you to really get better in yourself you know that's a self discovery process and we need other people to do it i think you know this our culture glorifies like going it alone and, and doing all the things and getting everything done and checking off all the boxes. And like that just leads to isolation and like feelings of failure because we're one person and there's no way we can do it all. Like we both have kids, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you need a family and support. So what makes us think that we don't need support in sexuality or spirituality, or if we want to change our lives, like that's a huge piece. And um, like in Buddhism, that's your Sangha. That's your community. Yes. Yeah. Which is one of the three
1: pillars, you know, right? So it's, it's, it's a really important piece and, and really well said. And, um, you know, we're coming towards the end of our time today. And so I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and talk to uh, our listeners about all of this. Is there anything that um, we didn't we didn't cover or discuss that you want to make sure gets said before we sign off today?
2: Mm, I guess the only thing that um, where I've been marinating lately is that space between doing and being and when we step away from the duality and the right and wrong and this and that and let those go and come into that space between that's where inspiration is and that's where connection is and that's where magic is and i love to go with people on that journey of dissolving into the wholeness that you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, And to our listeners, thank you. Um, Stacy did reference the Jaya and the erotic blueprints. And so if you're curious to know more about that, I mean, you can, of course, go go check them out online, but we have a whole episode Jaya came on and talked about the erotic blueprint. So you can look at, look for getting intimate with your erotic blueprint for more on that. Um, go and check out Stacy's work. I'm so grateful that you're out there working, um, in this capacity with people, um, who, who are experiencing the magic of, of life without substance. I really think sobriety is like the best drug ever personally. (laughs) And, um, and, If you have not yet come and uh, taken the quiz, downloaded the app, all those fun things at Superpower Experts, go and do so. Check it out. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to SuperpowerExperts.com and take the Superpower Quiz
2: today.